0: hello it's paul scott here uk small caps commentator and investor and writer of the small cap value reports with graham neary and occasional help from roland head now i'm just having to lean forward a bit nearer the microphone to get the sound meter up to reasonable levels I'm actually up in London for the next week or two and I forgot to bring my microphone with me, so I've only got, I'm just using the internal microphone on my red laptop, so sorry if this is not as clear as it usually is, I'll try to remember to speak up. So it's, uh, what is it, Saturday the 2nd of September today, Uh, we've got a heatwave coming apparently in the next week or two, so that should be fun last gasp of summer and then in late september i'm off to gozo for three weeks uh, in airbnb's i love spending i normally spend april and october in gozo small island off the coast of malta Uh, i just love it there it's like going back seventy or eighty years in time And um, lots of history and beautiful places to visit. And you can walk anywhere on the island. It's only seven or eight miles across. And there are all these, uh, I've mentioned all the cathedrals before, haven't I? I'm not religious, but I like uh, mooching around cathedrals as well. So, anyway, markets overall. So, yes, this this week actually coming up, I'm really uh, excited about. I've got some nice social things lined up. I had a fantastic dinner on Friday with my friend Sanjay. Uh, so, if you're listening, Sanjay, thanks so much for uh, a fabulous meal. My shout next time. It's so nice to meet up with shares friends and just talk about, swap ideas about shares, talk about the markets generally. I've really missed it. So, that was a real treat on Friday. And this week, I'm hoping to catch up with Jack Brumby, who. Uh, co-wrote the small cap value reports on stockopedia with me for for quite a while actually jack's moved on to bigger and better things in the city Um, so i will send him all of your uh, best wishes and i'll report back and let you know how jack's getting on in his uh, career in fund management i'm sure he's doing brilliantly Uh, very talented guy And then who else am I meeting? Oh, a renowned fund manager has asked to see me for lunch as well later this week. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah, exciting stuff. So markets generally, well, certainly haven't been exciting. Um, We've seen a a, a weak rally in the main indices since the 21st of August, I see. Um, Now, the 50-day moving average that Stockopedia puts up as a default on the index charts uh, is still in a downtrend for all the main UK indices uh what's that can't read me i'm writing oh but it's worst for aim um we're near six year six year lows on aim it's really small caps have been horrendous um <clears throat> we're slightly above the big spike down um that that happened in march uh, of 2020 but that was really just a spike as you can now but um if you if you eliminate that that short-term spike we're now at a six-year low uh, on aim so very very tough out there for small cap investors but this is when you get your opportunities you don't look at the long-term chart and say oh i wish i'd bought there looking at the peak <laughs> looking at the peak do we we look at the lows and we say oh i wish i'd bought then so it's really important i think that to keep that in mind. There are just opportunities galore at the moment, which is why I'm I'm really excited about this market. I think we're going to make big gains from here, but I don't know when. Now, AIM is down 43% from the 2021 highs, which was August 2021. Uh, it peaked at 1300 the AIM all share. It's now 741. Uh, that's down 43%. That's staggering, isn't it? So we've had a really bad two-year bear market um in small caps in the UK. Been really, really tough. But I think we're 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 over the worst now. I'm I'm bullish. Um obviously the macro picture though is looking worryingly bad. But markets tend to bottom out before the economy has bottomed out. You know, you've got to remember that the markets look six, twelve months ahead. Um and so you'll probably start to see a recovery in um in shares before the economy actually bottoms out. Um and year to date, aim all share is down 12%. So if you're round about that sort of figure with your own portfolio, uh it's not because you've picked bad stocks. That's just what the what the uh what the market average is doing. Now, in terms of my own portfolio, I'm actually having in percentage terms anyway a good year. Um my published watch list of top 20 shares that I published in January. Um not tips, they're just what I think, you know, were companies that were were trading well were modestly valued and had a good outlook, so I, I thought that was a pretty simple selection. Oh, and sound finances; they wouldn't, so they'd be able to weather a, a, a storm. Because it was obvious that the, the macro picture was not looking great, but I published the list anyway on the basis that so many of these things were so cheap that I thought that it would probably be uh, do all right, and it has done. It's actually up six percent year to date. My my top twenty watch list, which I'm very pleased with. Um, so that is a eighteen percent outperformance against the AIM all share year to date. Now my personal portfolio is has done better still. So I'm up thirty four percent year to date. I don't use gearing anymore, so this is all on shares I own outright, um, and I've excluded the takeover bit of Seraphine from that because that skewed the numbers ridiculously. So. Uh, i'm up thirty four percent year to date mainly catching four or five uh, big winners on special situations um as I say, that doesn't include seraphim. The main winners were the takeover bid at b o t p because I bought them quite well at just over four pounds and got out at five thirty five uh so that was a good one. I did a trade on one disco and got all my losses back on on one disco, so that I made a small profit on overall, so that was good. Tiny build, I've mentioned before, I traded that. Um, one of the ones we flagged to the readers that did well recently was a strong rebound on restore. We got about a 40, 40 to 45% bounce on that, so that was a nice profit. And my latest one, which I mentioned in last week's podcast, is Plexus Holdings, POS, which is an absolutely tiny little thing that I've loaded up on big time. That's now by far my biggest position and um that's rising very very strongly although as i mentioned last week i'm a bit worried that it's me pushing the price up because i've been continuously buying that one one of the readers said oh you've done well on it paul now it's got to 10p well i started buying at about 5p uh, so but but i've I've carried on buying up to about nine or nine and a half p i think um and he said you know well done what a success and i thought no you know i'm not in it for a few pence if this thing works so what what is it worth i very difficult to say what plexus is worth at the moment because um you know it's it's um it's won this big contract which was up from was announced at five million and then went to eight million all recognisable in the current financial year to June 2024. And it's for a rental deal. So getting 8 million rental revenues, which are high margin revenues, I believe, in one year is transformative for the company. But that's obviously risky, isn't it? Single contract risk. And what if the contract doesn't renew or repeat? We don't know yet. So there are risks um, with this with Plexus. Now, I know, um, which I hold, it's, but as I say, it's by far my biggest position. So I'm, I'm, trying to give a balanced view of it, but I'm obvi- I obviously see exciting upside on it. Um, they're in a sweet spot where I've been doing more research over the last 10 days. And, um, it's all about methane leakage from well wellheads. I don't know the sector, but I'm learning fast. I think the basics anyway. Um, and um, this technology that Plexus has has been around for decades, but there's been uh, there was quite good take up of it in the North Sea years ago, and Plexus used to make about five million a year profit up until about 2015 then demand just fell off a cliff and it was forced into selling some of its ip in 2018 in order to survive but management have been have jealously guarded the share capital against dilution because management owned 59 percent of it and are both um well past retirement date, shall I say, but they don't want to retire. That's the thing. They're so passionate about this company. I've been in contact with management and what really comes across is their absolute passion to cleaning up the oil industry, basically, because the trouble is there are lots of parts of the world where they use these cheap uh, Chinese made wellheads which leak methane into the atmosphere, which it turns out apparently is 10 to 25 times worse than CO2 as a greenhouse gas now the big structural tailwind for plexus now is that governments in, uh, and starting i think with the american government are starting to legislate to stop wellhead methane leaks and if you read plexus's r s's over the last year they clearly uh, talk about, you know, a, a big increase in inquiries and tenders. So it sounds like they're just in a sweet spot with the right products at the right time that could, which have previously uh, been been sold and rented profitably. And they've gone back into the wellhead rental business, but this time through a deal, uh, a licensing deal with Schlumberger. I mentioned that last week, but it's, I think this is really important. because Schlumberger, I think is the biggest the globe, the world's biggest oil services company. So if they're licensing Plexus's technology, then that tells you that the IP is good, is valuable. And when these products launch, which apparently is fairly imminent, you know, we could have nice upside there. But we don't know at this stage what the licensing revenues are likely to be. Now, the other thing was cash. Now, what I've discovered is that the company's actually had five million cash inflow uh, in the last year from a variety of sources a million uh, from no uh, a million from the ceo buying a long lease property to help the company's cash flow uh, a million and a half also from the ceo in a convertible loan note so there is dilution coming from that but the higher the share price is the less the dilution will be of course um and uh what was the other so that's two and a half million which comes from the ceo the long-serving founder of the company ceo he founded it 37 years ago i think or something ben van bilderbeek so i'm hoping hoping to speak to him uh, at some point fairly soon um and i'm going to get him on the podcast channel uh, as an interviewee i think hopefully as well um, I think it's just such an interesting company. Now, the monthly monthly payroll is about 250K. So um, in the absence of any revenues, it's burning through three or four million in cash a year. So as I say, the five million that's come in, two and a half million from the CEO in the last year, the other two and a half million should have come in um, by June 2023 two and a half million in upfront payments from the big contract. They said in the RNS that it would hit the current financial year. That was when they were in, uh, year ending june 23 so that money should now be in the bank so i don't think there's any immediate pressing need for cash and sencos is forecasting a move into profit um on this uh 8 million rental deal now if there are follow-on deals this thing could really seriously multi-bag. but at the moment we don't know we can't bank on that so how how much is it worth i think based on the current News flow. I think you could sensibly value Plexus at anywhere between, I think, 30p and 50p a share. Uh, it's actually about 9p currently, even though it's more it, it tripled, I think, or even quadrupled from the lows. It's still really, really cheap. I think, uh, and if it can get away without diluting, which I think it, which I think it could do. I mean, ideally, the company would have enough cash to pay the CEO back. On the convertible loan um which i think there's a 20 percent redemption premium on that which is fine you know that's just it's interest free so the interest rolls up to the end if they can pay him back without diluting anybody that would be even better so really really interesting upside on plexus i think the deep you dig you can see that the risks uh, are, are manageable i think i think it's worth a risk reward, I believe on it and I think the upside the potential upside is so big that i 'm prepared to take a degree of risk with this one uh, so very, very excited about plexus it 'll be volatile i think there 's a lot of liquidity in the shares at the moment, so I suspect that you 're getting people trading in and out of it, banking their gains, and so on i res- 'm i 'm just not going to do that I, I want to run this thing um, and but, uh, but it 's dependent on the news flow. If the news flow is really good, then I think you 've got upside of I mean, pick a number, it could be anything, 100 million market cap is is perfectly possible. In the past, it's been valued at over double that on profits of five million a year. So, uh, I, you know, Plexus, I'm really excited about. But, you know, there are risks. So please do your own research, as always. Not a recommendation at all. I want listeners and readers to take responsibility, obviously, for your own investments completely. We don't tip or, or, or recommend anything on Stockopedia. It's all, the whole site is there to provide the tools uh, to 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 empower people to do their own research, make their own decisions, and be masters of our own destinies and own our own mistakes. Don't blame me if something goes wrong because I'm not a you know a time traveller from the future, so I can't tell you what the future in, entails. Nobody knows. It's uh, you know a lot of well investing really is educated guesswork. Um, you know none of a, who could have forecast that interest rates would go up from zero for, would be well would be zero for 15 years and then shoot up to five five and a half percent in no time at all I mean nobody could have predicted that well sort of, you know on unusual bell curve somebody would have predicted it but you know um, just like a stop clock and all that anyway um, god I'm rambling a bit aren't I so yeah aim at a small cap still in a in a downtrend but that gives you your opportunities I think and you know, if you pick the right things you can get some really fabulous gains. And that's working well for me this year. So far, touch wood, let's hope it continues. Economic news is very mixed, I think. I'm I'm not really covering that in detail anymore, but you can get you can get all the economic news on loads of other um, emails. Um, the big brokers do good daily emails, actually. I get one from Hargreaves Lansdowne every day. That's a nice summary of what's going on. So big upward revision in GDP, I see, is, is good news. I don't see any reason why UK inflation should be higher than other countries. I think people just extrapolate whatever the current trend is. It is at the moment, but there's no structural reason why uh, UK inflation should be higher than elsewhere, I don't believe. So, um, I think we'll probably see a trend towards uh, similar levels in all other countries. And all these figures are just estimates anyway, you know, and they're calculated in different ways. So I think you've got, you know, the, the discrepancies between different countries seems to me largely just within the usual statistical norms. Although Germany seems to be struggling going into recession because, you know, it was dependent on cheap gas from russia to to fund uh, fuel a lot of its industry so they're struggling i believe and I, th- I did read somewhere the german government has done a big stimulus package um which is quite interesting isn't it so and and you would think that would start to put downward pressure on european interest rates and the bank of england if the same thing happens in america as well we seem to be very near at or near the peak of the interest rate cycle i think i hope And I don't think the Bank of England has any idea what it's doing. It's just following the Fed, basically. So, But anyway, we'll see. Um, Now, the slowdown in the economy is definitely starting to bite in some sectors. That's what I'm seeing from from company announcements. Builders and, and building supplies, companies are really obviously starting to struggle. That's coming through from lots of companies. So even though shares in those sectors are really cheap... I think they could get cheaper. Staffing companies are starting to report um, difficulties as well, not just in the UK, but uh, internationally as well. The consumer still seems resilient, which does make up the bulk of the UK economy, and shares are very cheap. And we're also seeing, I'm noticing some shares plunging on profit warnings and then bouncing quite strongly. Uh, It'll be interesting to see whether those bounces um, hold, but it's certainly starting to feel that we might be at or near the lows I think that's a good sign when you start to see profit warnings uh, you know spiking down but then buyers coming in and you start and providing that then holds that could be uh, the market's saying actually, you know, but but each we might be near the lows, but each share is different because you don't know who is selling and who is buying, and it just depends on the vagaries of each company's shareholder list. you know if you've got several funds small cap funds in a in a share who are all trying to sell, there's no liquidity in the market for them to sell, so they're dribbling stock out they could that could be an overhang that could last years you know in some cases so um there's no rhyme or reason to it so if you're looking at shares and thinking why is that one bouncing but that one's not uh you know it's it's i think it's just it's largely random it's just because of whoever it happens to be holding the share and what they're actually doing so if you're getting frustrated which i certainly am at why share prices are doing often seemingly very illogical things some shares are are zooming up even though they look absolute tripe whereas others are um, good companies putting out good news nobody's interested so it's just because it's it's this is what it's like in bear markets where you haven't got enough liquidity it's it's almost random it depends on an individual share by share basis that's why i think it's so important to just focus on the fundamentals Um, Because you never know when a big sell order is going to hit the market uh, that could could snuff out any rally. We're certainly seeing a lot of that. Lots of people are still banking profits, I think, on rallies. So maybe it makes sense to do that unless you're a committed long-term holder. So, oh, God, I haven't talked about any individual companies yet. We're nearly 19 minutes in. Blimey! Okay, let's look at Tuesday. Longly, long a uh, short, short week because of the bank holiday. So Tuesday, twenty ninth of August. Graham. Now we heard uh, terrible news of the death of the CEO of Volvair. Uh, same age as me, only fifty five. Terribly, terribly sad news. Now Graham wrote a lovely tribute to to him in Tuesday's report. So thanks for that, Graham. You you got the tone of it just right, I think. Now what else did we had? We, we have. Um, Oh, Delata Hotels, DAL. This is an Ireland-based hotel group, but with hotels in Britain as well. Interim results. Graham and I both like it. He reviewed the figures. Um, Strong results, he said here. Uh, Back up to pre-COVID performance and starting to pay dividends again. Uh, We we also looked, I think it was Graham, uh, looked at another one, PPH. Uh, hotels I think the ticker is PPH now the, the quandary we've got with these hotels groups is how do you value them they seem to be at a big discount to net asset value but You know, with interest rates so much higher, is the valuation that they put on the hotels realistic now in a higher interest rate world? That's the big question, isn't it? I think that's the big thing to look into. I suspect that these these hotels might now actually be overvalued. But anyway, uh, on a balance sheet basis, and that's why you've got a discount. Now, a delisting of a a rubbish little company called Palatro, P-T-R-O. So we we wave goodbye to that one. Uh, It's totally underperformed. And, you know, good riddance. I think we need the more of these rubbish micro caps, nano caps that leave the market, the better, quite frankly. And don't float any more of them, brokers. Stop floating Jam Tomorrow Blue Sky things. And you never float them with enough money in the bank anyway. Uh, You know, and you can see a lot of the readers were saying this in the reader comments this week. You know, the brokers have sown the seeds of this meltdown in, in small caps by just floating junk. And it's greed. They want the fees. Um, and the bonuses and you know they've sown uh, the seeds of this current bear market i think by floating junk so stop doing it now graham had a look at lion trust asset management he think that's very cheap they had they were having they were offering to buy gam and that's fallen through swiss fund manager but anyway uh, graham says it's not the best company in the sector lion trust isn't but um P of 8 and dividend yield of nearly 8%. So looks like they're paying out more than... Um, oh, no, it'd be about the same, wouldn't it, as all of their earnings in divvies. If that's sustainable, could be a very nice income stock. So that line Trust is worth a look. I looked at BATM Advanced Communications, ticker BVC. Interim results were quite good. Good increase in profit, perky outlook statement, but I just can't get anywhere near to the valuation of £116 million. It all depends on... Uh, the company achieving very aggressive future uh, earnings forecasts, why pay up front? I'm also um, questioning the balance sheet. It's got all this cash sitting there, but it's very stingy with dividends. So why is that? Um, I'm not sure, but it's one of those overseas UK listed uh, companies where I think amber bells are ringing. Over over the numbers there, although the balance sheet in particular, although it has been listed for a very long time, which usually helps, but cash rich companies that are not seeing much organic growth should certainly be paying generous dividends and why isn't uh, BPC paying big dividends that 's the big question. Right on to Wednesday. I'm sorry, the sound meter is very low on this. I'm I'm leaning in towards the there. That's a bit better. Uh, Virtue Motors VTU. We still like that one. I'm green on it. I I'd sold my personal position in the car dealers a a week or two ago. I think I I've mentioned that before um i'm not really for any particular reason actually i just wanted the money for to buy more plexus so but I, I do have slight concerns over the increase in finance charges even though they don't borrow a lot from the banks they do have vehicle stocking loans and the interest rates on those were going up which a couple of them have mentioned actually in their outlook comments and the but anyway h1 results for virtue motors vtu were very good Trading in line with expectations. Confirms the full year expectations. I think they're actually a bit ahead. Same with lookers. I think they're going to beat expectations. Um, Surprisingly upbeat. Um, uh, New car supply is improving. Uh, Used vehicles, I think, are uh, are still attracting good profit margins because there's still a structural shortage of them that's expected to last for a couple of years uh, as a knock-on effect of reduced production of new cars throughout the pandemic. Uh, I still I still think there's a lot to like with Virtue Motors. So yeah, I've said here I'm positive on that. Now, what else did we look at? It was rather lean picking this week in terms of quality. We had to, Graham and I were both moaning on our WhatsApp chat thing where we liaise and work together on things. Um, Uh, Yeah, we're both saying, oh, God, are you going to look at this one or or will I? Well, anyway, Graham Graham drew the the short straw and looked at K3 business technology. Uh, KBT is the ticker. Um, Interim results. It says current trading in line, but we just think it's – we can't – we just can't get excited about it at all. It's software products. um, It reports a loss in H1. Uh, uh, h2 weighting should produce an okay fully result i just don't know why anyone would choose to own this share when you've got so many other better things available so k3 business deck left us cold i'm afraid but sometimes these software companies get bid for cr- at crazy valuations people see value in the customer relationships and the recurring revenues so interesting sector but uh, we can't get excited about it graham looked also at Flowtech fluid power this is the uh hydraulics, distributor parts of large numbers of parts. Uh, H1 results were in line. Um, It seems to be a bit of a turnaround going on there where they want to really dramatically raise the operating margin. If they can do that, then the shares could be quite interesting. It's always, I think, been a bit of an underperformer. I think in the past they focused too much on acquisitions and I don't think they've actually got the business fundamentally running as well as it could and should do. So Graham's just concluded uh, probably fairly valued for now at around 86p. But, you know, we can see a bit of potential there. Now, Superdry shares were suspended on Wednesday. They came back on. No, they didn't come back on Friday. They should have done, but they didn't in the end. But anyway, I'll come on to that in Friday's report when I looked at the accounts. I'm red on Superdry. I'm really negative on SDRY, the fashion brand. But we'll come on to that later. Cerium uh, Technologies OSI. Now we had been sniffing around this an absolute nano cap, three million market cap. It looked interesting, but it was horribly underfinanced. Anyway, it's got a recommended takeover bid, but you know it's at a tiny fraction of what it was uh, originally. It's it's lost about ninety percent of no, sorry, ninety nine percent lower than the previous high. The takeover bid. So I think uh, shareholders there had a lucky escape it was probably heading to zero but somebody in america's bid for it 3 million quid to take it off the market pity again it wasn't funded properly when it when it when it floated it disappointed it's run out of money and had to accept a low ball bid so same old bloody story with aim stocks these brokers floating things you know jammed to more speculative things they don't get raise enough cash uh, when they float you know and then they can't refinance if the if the the, the financing window has been slammed shut by the market oh dear now another recommended cash offer here instem i n s i must mention michael one of our regulars who uh, has been positive about this in fairness we were too. in the Small cap value reports we uh, flagged this one positively on first of February, I said uh, the share looked good and was worth a closer look. So well done for people who had some in stem. Uh, what it? it's a software company focused on the life sciences sector. So the bid was at I think a forty one percent premium, which is fine. That's 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 a good outcome for shareholders, and you've got forty one percent more money to redeploy in something else. So which also could get bid for. So takeover bids very much one of the key drivers at the moment and one of the key reasons to be to remain invested in cheap small caps. You might catch a bid. And if you've got twenty or thirty shares, you're gonna get the odd one bid for. And it's really exciting when that happens. Now what else? Um scura Um oh yes, this is the Adam Reynolds thing. Um makes portable no it doesn't make them sorry portable air purifying machines uh, oxygen concentrators i think it's called apparently they've got some amazing design for these with huge orders uh, and they've done a licensing deal with a chinese company all sounds very exciting yes here we are portable oxygen concentrator 10-year agreement minimum royalties between 27 million dollars and 55 million dollars depending on whether it's going to be exclusive or not. But the market cap on this thing is £64 million, and it hasn't made any profits historically. It's been heavily loss-making. So a jam tomorrow thing, Bellascura, but it's got some interesting backers. Adam Reynolds' stuff is pretty hit and miss, actually. Always very speculative, but the odd one does work out nicely. He was behind Susandor of course, which actually has done very well. I hold that one personally. Well, the business has, the share price hasn't, Um, but it's still above the float price, even though uh, Sir heavily diluted in a number of uh, unforeseen fundraisers. But it's coming good, Sir is, and I really rate management there. But Bellascurat, for me, far too speculative. I see Nigel Ray's got 10% as well. Um, And we have covered it indirectly in the Small Cap value reports because uh, tech capital... Still holds 11% of Belluscura, So, anyway, not for me, but good luck to holders. Quarto. Now, this was an interesting one. Interim results came out, thanks to the reader who flagged it to me. It dropped 24% on the interim results, which were weak. Uh, interim H1 profit halved to $3.1 million. But it's an H2 waiting business, and they sound quite upbeat about H2. Um, I like this. I think it's cheap, and I think I've said here um despite the the soft h1 figures uh, on the quickest of reviews i've said i think the share is worth you taking a closer look at and properly researching bear in mind we're only doing quick reviews you know we're not going into every detail but i was pleasantly surprised by the balance sheet at quarto it's a illustrated books publisher operating mainly in the u.s sort of coffee table books you know um I think it's looking better than it has done pretty much at any time over the many years I've been uh, looking at Quarto. So I think that one's interesting. And it did actually bounce from the lows uh, towards the end of the week. So I think it's oversold. I think Quarto looks good value. Right, on to Thursday's report. This was the 31st of August. We only covered four companies, but we did them in a fair bit of depth, which is what we aim to do, actually. Uh, What didn't we cover? Alpha Financial... Uh, now, Revolution Beauty results came out, delayed, that dropped 14%. I do want to circle back to that, that at some point. Gulf Marine Services, that one, um, again, an oil services business, which is a very interesting sector at the moment. We've co- I've covered that a lot in the past, and it has actually done reasonably well. Massively over-indebted, so the main issue there is... Um, the terms of the borrowings and so that's really a special situation. But I didn't I knew it would take me hours to delve into that one, so I've just ignored it. Inspiration health healthcare we didn't cover. Now Enna Aqua did another profit warning, dropped twenty-four percent. But interestingly enough it bounced really strongly on Friday. So again that goes back to the point before about whether some of these things are now uh, forming bottoms because you know um uh, buyers are steaming in and buying them on the dip i don't rate an aqua i'm afraid this is the thing that promised a lot and came out with one set of really good numbers and then it's just put a series of profit warnings out i don't think management's got any credibility at all where so it's not for me Aferian we didn't look at because the figures just looked awful i don't look at headline numbers and thought ah, waste of time now Carclo clo 10 million market cap i didn't look at that either because it's too high risk for me uh got a lot of bank debt and a big pension deficit that it's sort of struggling to um to uh control i so instead we focused on the more interesting companies reporting on thursday so i looked at Somero enterprises interim results it um uh, profit was down 30 percent in h1 we, we we were expecting that though because it had a bumpy year last year it's talking about a sharp slowdown in its main market of america for various factors um, but it does mention, it, this is the uh, laser-guided concrete screeding machine, so it's linked to commercial property building, and it says higher interest rates are causing projects to be delayed. So, uh, b- bulletproof balance sheet, so we've got no worries over its solvency, uh, very nice dividend yield with Somero, um, and it'll do fine, even if there's a deep recession. I did a sort of stress test on the numbers, and I reckon you could halve revenues, and it would it's still... Uh, only uh, profits would only drop down to break even, so absolutely bulletproof somero is so i 've just concluded here lots to like medium to long term, but uh, due to shorter term macro uncertainty i 've moderated my view from green to amber stroke green so uh, i I am worried that there might be a profit warning from somero uh, that 's why the shares are cheap so Oh, here we are. Graham looked at the uh, PPHE Hotel, ticker PPH. Um, Interims were in line. Uh, Shares rose 3%. Now, this one, again, is saying it's going to um, do capital returns now, buybacks and tenders. Uh, divis I guess, as well. Um, so hotels seem to be uh, doing okay again, and the um, but Graham says here it, it does need to continue improving occupancy. That's still not really where it should be with PPHE hotels, uh, and the val again the valuations are questionable. You've got this huge discount to what they say the properties are actually worth. But as one of my friends said, well, let's see some evidence. The properties are worth that, so which you can only really get from disposals, can't you? Um, I think because interest rates are so much higher and property valuations are are a function of um, what the yields are and the interest rates are, I think some of these, I'd I'd take the book values of some of these hotels with a pinch of salt. Now, Sondrell Holdings. I had a look at this one, SND. This is a chip designer. Uh, really promised amazing jam tomorrow, a uh, recent float about a year ago, I think, and uh, it's totally crapped out. dropped 62% to 21p. It's only 19 million. Anyway, I went through it all with a fine tooth comb, and I think it looks awful. Um, revenues have all, all but dried up in H2 of this year. It says it's got enough cash. It hasn't. You can see from the balance sheet that it's paying, it's got large liabilities to pay for software, multi-million pound uh, software, license payments that are, that are deferred it's precarious it, does, it has negative net tangible asset value it raised a lot of cash in the uh, ipo but um that only brought its i mean it it was basically insolvent they got i mean how they got that ipo away i do not know so the ipo i think basically saved it from going bust I mean, you do sometimes look at some of these things and think, what on earth were the fund managers thinking? We all make mistakes, I get that. But they really got sold a pup, I think, the Sondrel Holdings. There's nothing to support the balance sheet at all. It's just jam tomorrow. Um, I think it'll have to do a placing. So I wouldn't go near Sondrel. I'm, I'm red on that one. Um, October 22 IPO. So maybe 2022 is going to follow 2021 as being one of the worst years for terrible quality IPOs, overpriced rubbish, um, floated in twenty twenty-one and it looks like twenty twenty-two might be similar. So I think people are gonna really I think it'll take years for the IPO to market to recover because all these fund managers who bought all this junk, you know, are probably seeing for uh, redemptions by their clients and I can't blame them. You know, if you bought a load of rubbish at over over overpriced valuations you know, um, the clients will take a very dim view, rightly so. And how how can they how can they get out of them? This is the trouble. If you've got five or six percent of a of a micro cap where there's no liquidity, you're high and dry. You might even start to see some of these funds, small cap funds, having to uh, what do they call it? There's a term for it, isn't there? When they have to. Um, put a block on redemptions or form side pockets or something of the illiquid stuff. So uh, I haven't heard of that happening, but it's happened in previous bear markets, and it wouldn't surprise me if it does. But there'll be distressed sellers in the market for some of these things. And for the decent quality shares where the baby's being thrown out with the bathwater, that gives us, small, nimble value investors, some amazing opportunities. So we can keep looking for those. This is the time when you can make serious money, I think, on some of the... uh, good stuff that gets oversold. So I'm quite excited about this. I think that's very much the case with Plexus. I mean, they were sold down to about 2p. It was priced almost to go bust, which actually, a year ago, it looked like it might. But the but the the the, the things have changed to such an extent that I don't think um, there's now solvency risk with Plexus. So um, anyway, I've talked a lot about that before. Graham looked at Pension B. Uh, this is a sort of online pensions uh, software consolidator or something. Um, he doesn't think much of this one. Uh, half-year report was in line. I think he's got concerns about the cash burn and the valuation. So, okay, that's enough for Thursday. Let's move on to Friday. Right, I'm afraid this was really a lean week for decent companies reporting. It was mainly um, bad um, companies and bad reports. I mean, you know, people sometimes say, why are you writing about this? I'm not interested in that. Come up with something I can actually buy. Well, we're writing on about the companies that are reporting on that day, trading updates and results statements. We don't choose uh, which companies report. So if it's a load of rubbish all reporting on one day, then you know that's what we have to write about. And um, uh, we do. Uh, we're now we're covering over five hundred and fifty companies. So there's plenty in there for 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 everybody. Uh, now what did I look at? Oh, I noticed there were a flurry of um, acquisitions announced. On Friday, so I looked at three or four of them. Reynolds, a company I hold personally, has made a nice little bolt-on acquisition. Very small, so it doesn't really move the dial. But still, it's nice. I like bolt-on acquisitions where companies buy stuff they know in the same sector because you know it's very unlikely they'll make a mistake. And uh, you know, if the retirement sales are often lucrative sources of cheap acquisitions. And so I used to be negative about uh, acquisitive groups, but I think if they've got good switched management, you know what they're doing, pay the right price, the right quality businesses that they know and understand you can really get considerable value from that and of course with Reynolds, each acquisition it makes helps dilute the big pension uh, uh, fund deficit so i really like management at Reynolds; they've done a great turnaround there shares are really cheap so yeah thumbs up from me for Reynolds. that's why i own shares in it similar deal with volex vlx the electrical cables thing oh sorry Reynold is the industrial chains group It's been a very nice turnaround, actually. It's now on the front foot, Reynolds, but the market still prices it uh, dirt cheap. Volex, VLX, this is Nat Rothschild's um, vehicle that he's done a terrific turnaround on. He owns 25% of it himself. Again, making really good acquisitions, one after the other very, very well-planned, well-reasoned and well-priced acquisitions. Anyway, it was just to confirm that the Murat Tickeret acquisition in Turkey has completed. So no, not, not price sensitive as we expected that. Um, and one of the readers actually knows the sector. This is the value of the reader comments. One of the readers um, has worked for years in that sector and has had personal... Business dealings with Folex, and he writes very positively about them. Said uh, it's a really good company, the acquisitions all make complete sense, they uh, get heavily involved in the design process of the components. And as a result, you know, they spot things that the client hasn't spotted and say, well, why don't you do it this way? And so he he, he really rates them. Now, you know, I don't know that that's true, but I, nobody I can't see why anybody would post something like that. That wasn't true, because remember, we've got these are subscribers. They're not just anonymous from the, the Internet. These are people who've paid a couple hundred quid or whatever it is to subscribe to Stockopedia and, um Therefore, I don't think you, you. Well, we get one or two occasionally, but generally you don't get people playing silly buggers, and, uh, and 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 nearly all the time people are polite to each other as well, which is so refreshing. We get you know, everybody has the occasional bad day, including me, but uh, it is so much more pleasant when the readers keep the keep the the comments um, constructive and and polite. It just makes it a nicer place for us all to hang out, doesn't it? What else? Oh, Lord's Trading. I like this one. I'd forgotten about this one. This is a a building merchant acquisitive group. Again, they're buying things that they know and sort of getting geographic infill. Um, and then applying group synergies for group buying to reduce the cost of the product. So a very nice logical business model, Lord's Trading, L-O-R-D. It's bought a small loss-making timber merchant for very uh, very small amounts of money, and it reckons it can turn that around through efficiency and buying um, improvements. So I quite like Lord Trading, but obviously the sector is um, a worry, uh, building products, weak sector, likely to get worse. And the founder shareholder is too dominant a uh, percentage uh, at Lord's Trading. And then Central NR- NIC also uh, announced a tiny acquisition. Now, this was the main topic on Friday. Super Dry, SDRY, the f- troubled fashion brand that's really having to fight to f- survive at the moment. Very tenacious management, founder. Owner manager Julian Dunkerton has come back. Um, not as brimming with positivity as he normally is on the webinar, I have to say. Although <laughs> one of the readers, one of the listeners to the Investor Meat Company webinar, I think was pulling his plonker a bit when he said, Are you the question was, are you still excited about the super dry brand? Well, of course that set off Dunkerton. Yes, I mean, you know, I'm hugely excited about it. This is a brilliant brand. We're doing all the you know, so he was off. <laughs> <laughs> Very entertaining. But, you know, it's good that the guy's positive about the brand. Just a problem that it's not making any money now. The figures, this was the late figures, only a couple of days late, but April 2023 results. Remember this Superdry that you get, is it four or five months as a fully listed company to, four months, I think, you get to publish your audited accounts um, which it didn't quite manage. Now, there have been numerous problems with the accounts at Superdrive before. Read the annual report for what the auditors say. It's a wake-up call, and I think it's one of the reasons the banks don't want to lend to it. So it's had to go to specialised lenders to finance its seasonal working capital peaks. Anyway, uh, the good news is that the £34 million net, or £35 million in net proceeds of selling this Far Eastern IP did complete in May 2023 but they didn't tell us they didn't tell this is a material cash injection that they didn't tell us they received the money how ludicrous is that what a silly own goal somebody well nobody was thinking at that company what, what were the advisors advising them about? oh ridiculous um but anyway they've got the money in apparently post year end so that is very material and I think that props it up in in the short term, anyway, I've said here, and in the webinar they said the superdry is looking at possible additional IP sales internationally. So the brand is still valuable. Um, the, that's been proven. Um, also, £35 million cost savings are being implemented, which sounds a hell of a lot. I'd like to see a breakdown of that and what cash costs are involved, if it's redundancies, off a shop or office closures, whatever. Um, and if there's £35 million in cost savings lying there on a plate, why weren't they done before? You know, this seems to me a badly run business. And the product, as the readers always say, you know, it's, it's not fashionable it's appealing to the wrong demographic pot-bellied middle-aged men as we always say and it's just way too expensive for what it is so um we most of us i think who comment on this share uh, on stockopedia seem to think that the brand's had its day really and uh, now the bad news i've said here everything else <laughs> in the figures so it's now moved into losses 22 million pound loss for april 2023 uh, a similar level profit the the prior year it's huge statutory loss 148 million but about half of that is a tax adjustment um did i say loss before tax i meant loss to after tax here we are the loss before tax the statutory loss is 79 million The main culprit between that and the £22 adjusted loss is a big provision for onerous leases. Now, as I flag up here, the lease entries on the balance sheet, which are sometimes quite useful, show that they've got a massive problem with their shop leases because the right-of-use assets figure is only £49 million. But the rent liabilities, the IFRS 16 liabilities, a 100 nearly 190 million so 49 million asset 190 million liabilities what is that telling us it's telling us that probably many if maybe even most of their stores are losing money that's why you have to make a, 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 write down the right of use asset write down Um, So I think they've got a huge problem and you can see why they've got a lot of these flagship style stores that are not busy enough. The store gross margin is pretty good still because they do a lot of the discounting online and through clearance channels, I think. So the stores are selling full price gear. Uh, most of the time, which is the way it should be. If you're if you're setting yourself out there as a brand, a premium brand, you can't have you know 50% off sales all the time, because it kills the brand. That's what one of the reasons that Jules went bust. And I'm not going to get caught on another struggling retailer i lost a lot of money on jewels i could have banked a six figure profit on that and i and i stubbornly held on thinking i knew best and i was wrong and uh you know i lost nearly all the money i sold right at the end but after you know 90% loss or whatever so that was a wake up call to just not get involved in another struggling fashion brand because not many of them turn themselves round. uh anyway um Now, the current trading. Oh, dear, this is really bad. Now, the shops did see uh, an increase in sales in April 23, year-ended, because of the, obviously, recovery, people going back into stores. But online sales uh, dropped. And then the Q1 figures that look really grim. It's wholesaling that's even worse uh, um, the store revenues were down 3.7% but you know they're probably having to pay their staff 10% more, the energy bills will be higher and I think their hedging on energy is expiring as well, that was a point I think I remember from the webinar where actually to be fair Dunkerton and his his FD were, were pretty straight on, on the IMC webinar, Investor Meat Company we- webinar um, you know he did the bullish positive stuff but they were they were pretty straight about the problems they faced so you know, let's be fair to them. They're not. They're not full of BS. They are. They're actually pretty straight, I think. Um, and you just take a, all Dunkerton's passion, and enthusiasm. You'd, you'd take with a pinch of salt because it's got a. It's numbers. We need to see profits and recovery. So anyway. Um, Q1 wholesale sales are down by half, down 50%. Now, it says some of that's timing differences. Okay, it could be 30% underlying. And um, Exit from the USA has pushed the numbers back. So it's difficult to see what the actual trend is. But anyway, it's dismal. So I think they've got real problems with wholesale. And if the wholesale customers are not buying the product, that's because they don't think it's any good. You know, um, it doesn't matter how how much. And it also often means that the previous ranges haven't sold. And the shops that buy them, the big department stores or whatever overseas and, you know, maybe online um, companies buying product wholesale, you know, if it doesn't sell, they won't reorder, will they, from that brand or might only go for a much reduced. So it's, it's it's no good Dunkerton telling us how brilliant the product ranges are. The wholesale customers are not ordering them. So... That, which is a far more important signal than what management thinks about their own product ranges, I'm afraid, is whether they're selling and the wholesale customers not buying them. I think they've got serious problems at uh, Superdry. The going concern statement contains a material uncertainty. So have a look at that. Now, my conclusion sadly, I think it's going to go bust. I really do. And not immediately. So this could be an interesting share, a volatile share to trade. It was meant to come back. Um, uh, to, to be tradable again on Friday afternoon, but I don't think it happened so it'll it'll almost certainly resume trading on monday morning. the f d mentioned the technicalities of getting it unsuspended that he was working on um I think it could go either way. I think you can pick, you can pick out the positives of the uh, cash coming in from the i p sale, but there's no disputing the fact that the figures and the current trading stuff is really really bad um I think it probably survives into twenty twenty four. Maybe uh, I can't see it surviving into twenty twenty five. I'm afraid, but they're very tenacious. Management are and they're highly motivated. It is life works, Life's work. Dunkertons. Um, so I, you know the brand will survive in some shape or form. Maybe they need to do. They should just get on and do a CVA to get rid of the the stores. I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think in some form it'll probably survive, but I don't think the shares are worth anything. Um But they might be, you know, if another IP sale comes through, if they do a CVA on the shops, there could be some value there. We'll have to see, but I'm definitely steering well clear of it. Now, another one I don't like is Totally TLY. This is the NHS services support contract business. Um, pretty lousy update they now they contradict themselves they say uh, trading remains consistent with previous guidance but they don't tell us what that is just referring to July 2023 but then it says you know agency costs for staff are higher than expected and awarding of new contracts is currently on hold, so how can you then say that and then reiterate your your guidance? Does't make sense to me, so maybe it's because they're stripping out costs. It does has here say here they are a smaller overhead base. I thought that it totally had some potential um when I've looked at it before, but I have to say, I'm now really questioning whether this business is 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 any good at all it's certainly doing a pretty good impression of a of a business that doesn't have any f- fundamental uh, strength really at all now another one so I'm, yeah i'm did i go red on totally or amber red yeah i've been kind to them and gone amber red but you know it might bounce because it's it's back down to tempe where there was a good rally from that level before but as i've pointed out there is there are four times as many shares in issue now as to pre-COVID. So 10p a share is 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 not the same valuation as it was in 2019. It's four times the the valuation, even though the share price was 10p on both periods. So you've always got to check the number of shares in issue. And finally, I have Amber read on another company, Axis Technologies (AXS). This is the uh, Trikoa and Aquoia uh, processed wood products that apparently are great products. And the shares were doing really, really nicely in a lovely uptrend. Bang! Profit warning. Uh, It says April, May, June and July were very good ahead of last year. But uh, demand's basically sounds like it's fallen off a cliff more recently. Um, It says management's taking immediate and decisive steps to reduce costs an optimised working capital, which sounds like it's financially distressed. So I looked into that, and it is. It's got far too much debt with ABN AMBRO. It says it's going to try and stimulate demand. And that has got a new bloody factory uh, in in build in Kingsport, which I think is that in Hull or somewhere I seem to remember. Anyway, this new factory, uh, it says it's going to uh, come uh, come on stream in mid 2024. Well, when demand's dropping, you don't want a new bloody factory coming in, do you? So anyway, the conclusion here is it says EBITDA will be revenues below expectation and EBITDA will be significantly below expectations. And they don't expect a recovery until the second half of calendar 2024. So I think that's got read across for other builders and and building supplies companies. I don't think we should be looking for a bounce back in early 2024 but it depends what interest rates do doesn't it if if you see my friend sanjay said to me when interest rates drop they tend to drop fast and uh, by a lot you know um so it's in the lap of, of, the, of the bank of england really isn't it and who just follow what the fed do really so i don't know um i think i'm personally i'm even though i can see great value in the sector sectors i'm keeping away from the builders and the building supplies companies at the moment but i've got a short list of things i want to buy when i want to start anticipating a recovery so yeah too much far too much debt at axis um tech i think it's going to need another placing so why get involved Right, I'll leave it there. Um, sorry, it went on so long. I, d- I wanted to do a shorter one today, but you know, as soon as I get starting talking about shares, there's no stopping me. I can literally go on for hours. So this was the brief version. <laughs> 55 minutes thanks so much for listening and loving all your comments we've got some brilliant comments now every day on Stockopedia Wolf of Small Street is our star poster but we've got loads of other people contributing fantastic stuff so thank you to everyone and we really do appreciate it because we know how tough it is out there for small caps so the fact that people are still engaged with us and um, you know generally uh, and sharing their troubles with us and you know I think we've got a really nice support of uh membership base on stockopedia so thank you to everyone and our day will come we'll get we'll have i think from these levels we're going to see some lovely medium long-term gains um and you can lock in some fabulous dividend yields but you know we might have to be looking a year two years into the future before things skip out and all i don't know we'll just have to see won't we all right i'll leave it there have a lovely weekend enjoy the heat wave and um, yes uh, i think that's it bye for now bye